scripture, and then we will look right at what God has for us today. Acts chapter 27, we're going to begin looking at verse number 18 and continue down to verse number 26 this morning. Notice what the scripture says. And we believe exceeding, and we being exceedingly tossed with a tempest, the next day they lightened the ship. And the third day we cast out with our own tack, with our own hands, the tackling of the ship. And when neither sun nor stars in many days appeared, and no small tempest lay on us, all hope that we should be saved was then taken away. But after long abstinence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said, Sirs. You should have hearkened unto me, and not have loosed from Crete, and to have gained this harm and loss. And now I exhort you to be of good cheer, for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you, but of the ship. For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am, and whom I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul, for thou must be brought before Caesar, and lo, God hath given thee all them that sail with thee. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God, that it shall be even as it was told me. Howbeit, we must be cast upon a certain island. Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for the testimony and the strength of the testimony in which we just read a moment ago. God, I pray that you would help us this morning to firmly state what Paul stated. I believe God. God, I pray that you would help us this morning. Holy Spirit of God, empower your word. Help us, please. Guide us in truth. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated this morning. At this point of Scripture, we see Paul has completed three missionary journeys. He is now on a fourth journey. It's kind of a forced missionary journey. He has been brought before the authorities for preaching Christ. And he has appealed to Caesar and is now being taken to Rome where he will stand before Caesar and give testimony of his preaching of the truth of Christ. And as he is on his journey, we find Paul here in our text being escorted with a centurion, a Roman guard. The centurion is looking for passage and is trying to find passage from Israel, from that area, to Rome. They find themselves on an island called Crete. And on Crete, they begin looking for passage from Crete to the rest of the way of the journey to come to Rome. And as they begin and look for passage, there is a large grain ship, a, a ship that has a crew of 276 people. This ship would have been taking, of course, much, much wheat, grain, to Rome, of course, for food and, of course, for sustenance. These 
type of ships were larger ships, of course, that could handle and hold much grain and cargo. Some of these ships measured up to about 180 feet long, and some as wide as 50 feet. This was a larger vessel. We don't know if it was that size, but it was definitely larger in that it could hold not only grain, but also some passengers as well. And the crew was wanting and trying to find safe haven or trying to get across the Mediterranean Sea before the winter winds and storms set in. There was already some difficulty in this passage. There was already some difficulty in navigating the Mediterranean Sea. And the Bible teaches us that Paul warned the master of the ship as he began to contemplate whether or not they should continue their voyage across the Mediterranean. See, so go ahead and put up the map if you would there, David. And just to give you an idea, get you have an idea of where they are, of course, you'll see Crete right there about in the middle of the map. And they're trying to get all the way over to Regium is where they're wanting to go and to sail through that area. Of course, to continue up towards Pompeii and areas like that towards Rome. And as they're trying to navigate that, the Bible teaches us that some favorable winds came across. The master of the ship didn't want to be stuck in Crete over the winter. They wanted to get back to their family. They wanted to get back to their friends. That makes sense. And so as Paul warned them, said, I don't think you should make this trip. This trip is going to bring some harm. It's going to bring some loss. We need to stay here. However, with the incentive of wanting to go and to receive the payment for delivered ships and for, of course, or for the delivering of the grain and for, of course, getting back to family and friends, the master decided to make the voyage. No sooner had they started set sail than a storm began to set in. This 14-day journey from Crete to Malta, which was not their intended port, was that of a nightmare for any sailor. It was something that they had never envisioned or never anticipated, and if they certainly knew that it was coming, they would not have ever made that journey. But the Bible says that there was a storm called Euroclidon, which actually means northeastern. In the Mediterranean Sea, the northeastern storms, some places would call them a nor'easter, are very troublesome and dangerous storms, storms that would cause sometimes great damage and great problems, not only among the inhabitants of the islands, but also, of course, trying to navigate those seas. And this storm began to blow and began to hit this shipping vessel. Three days into their journey, just three days, the storm began to be so severe and so strong that they began to find anything they could that was not necessary at that moment to throw overboard. They began throwing, the Bible says, the tackling of the ship. Extra rope, 
extra gears, pulleys, things like that that they would have used on this large ship that was not an absolute necessary. They threw it out because of the heaviness of the weight of the grain of the wheat in the hold of the ship and the passengers. They were trying to make it so where that ship was floating as light as possible. Anything that was not battened down, anything that was not attached to the ship was truly was let go amongst the Mediterranean. Uh, amongst the Mediterranean Sea. And at the, some point in the next week and a half, between three days into the journey and between the night on that 14th day, something happened. Something took place. God sent an angel to deliver a message to his servant, Paul. That message would relay some hope and some strength in Paul's own heart. And of course, as we'll see in just a moment, in the very crew itself, that the ship would be lost, but all lives would be saved. No one would lose their life in this storm. And upon this message, Paul chose. He chose to believe God. His belief in God and His Word truly moved Paul through this storm and helped Paul even calm the storm of the heart of the crew itself. In the midst of a storm, in the midst of a perilous time, Paul chose afresh and anew to believe God. In the midst of a storm, I don't know what might be going on in your life. I know as a country, we are dealing with a third, once again, lockdown. We are dealing with restrictions, and we're hearing about loss of life that continues to climb. We're hearing about all these things, about what is to be anticipated next, and what do we do, hope of of a vaccine that will somewhat help, but yet there's some conflicting evidence, and we look at all these things and are wondering When is this storm going to end? When is this storm going to blow over? And it seems like as the ship uh, on the Mediterranean Sea, that there was no no stars, no, no sun to navigate. This storm would never end, it seemed. For 14 days, this storm continued, at least. And the Bible teaches us that in the midst of it all, there was a man who chose to believe God. And because he chose to believe God, it moved not only his life, but it led the lives of others around him. May I encourage you this morning, when the storm of life rages, and all of us in some way are affected by the storms in which we are seeing today, whether we agree with it or not, the storm is real. And the fact of the matter is, is there meaning, uh, the world is looking for some people today that say, I believe in the one who holds the storm in his hand. I believe in the one who controls all that we see. I believe in the one that truly has the pur- a purpose and a plan. And I believe God. This world is looking for some Christians today that believe in the living God who can move and lead in our life and encourage others to follow in the very God who has the future in his hand. 
I want us to see several things this morning, five things specifically. I'm not going to spend long on any of these, but I want us to see five things in which we look at from this story on how Paul's belief in God and in his word, what it does and what it can do in the midst of the storm of life. First of all, I want us to see this morning that it calms the heart. Look at verse number 21 with me. But after long abstinence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said, Sirs, ye should have hearkened unto me, and have not loosed from Crete, and to have gained this harm and loss. And we'll stop there for just a moment. Picture with me, if you would, once again this ship on the Mediterranean Sea, not knowing where they are. These were not men who have voyaged for the first time. These were men who knew the seas, knew how to navigate. They knew what to do in the midst of a storm, and yet in the midst of this storm, everyone on the ship is lost. They have no idea where they are. They've not seen the sky in days, as far as the sun or the stars that they would use to navigate their body. They don't know where they are. The, sh- the waves are tossing them every direction, They're just trying to save their own lives. Certainly it is crossing the minds of many on this ship whether or not they're going to see their wife, their children again. Whether they're going to get back to their home, whether they're ever going to see those whom they love and care for ever again. Certainly it is coming to a point in which they are wondering not only about their life, if they're going to lose it here on the Mediterranean Sea, but also financially. This is their job, and if they don't deliver the cargo, there is going to be an expense, there's going to be trouble, there's going to be a financial loss that could hurt them, especially those who are in charge of this ship. They will not receive the payment for their cargo. All will be lost The financial hit could be huge. Then we have Paul, who is on his way to stand before Caesar. Every move is being investigated and looked over by a Roman centurion. His freedom is no longer freedom. He's been accused of simply telling people the truth of Jesus Christ. And now he's about to go to Caesar and speak the gospel. Much uncertainty is at play. Is he going back to prison? What is going to happen to those who he loves and has ministered with? Men like Timothy, Titus, Luke, and others. There's a lot of uncertainty in Paul's life. He he knows he has stood for truth, but yet there's still uncertainty. And in the midst of all of this, Paul stands up before the sailors before all the crew, and says, you should have listened to me. (laughs) If we would have stayed in Crete, we would not have gained. We would not have been in this situation. We would not be wondering what's going to happen to our lives. 
and even to the loss of the ship. But then let's continue. Notice what the Bible says. And now I exhort you to be of good cheer. Wait a minute, Paul. All these situations are going on, and Paul is standing up saying, you should have listened to me, but you didn't. Now, let's be happy. What? Does that make any sense at all? These sailors are fearing for their lives. Uncertainty lies in front of Paul, and Paul is now saying, let's be of good cheer. Not only let's be of cheer, but let's be of good cheer. Let's be extremely happy right now. Could you envision these sailors looking at Paul thinking, has he been sneaking some things on board this vessel? (laughs) Is he on something right now? Has he been hit in the head? Did some tackling take uh, hit him? Hit him on the hit, hit him somewhere? And he's not his not in his right mind right now. Paul, what in the world? Are you crazy? This is not a good situation. And now you're standing up saying, "Let's be extremely happy about this." Notice how Paul continues. For there shall be no loss of any man's life among you, but of the ship. He encourages them. He says, you can be extremely happy. Why? Because no one's going to lose their life. Okay, Paul, that that makes a little sense, but wait a minute, where'd you get this news? Where is this coming from? These men did not see the angel. They did not hear the word of God. And notice how Paul continues. For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, saying, fear not Paul. Thou must be brought before Caesar, and lo, God hath given all them all them that sail with thee. Wherefore, sirs, once again, be of good cheer. For I believe God, that it shall be told, shall be even as it was told me, howbeit we must be cast upon a certain island. Paul said, we are going to lose the ship. The ship is going to be lost. You can begin thinking in your mind, preparing for that financial loss. It's going to happen. However, we can thank God and we can be of good cheer that we're going to see our families again. We are going to see those whom we love and our friends and those whom, yea, we long to see at this time. Our lives will be spared. God is going to keep all of us safe. And he encourages these people, these sailors on this boat, by that powerful statement, God has said it, I believe it, and it's going to happen. You can be happy tonight. Thank God that God gives us his word, that he tells us everything is going to be okay. Everything is going to be just fine. I believe God. And that belief in God calms the heart. How could Paul stand up and help this crew and encourage them unless there was a calmness in his heart that passed the understanding of the men around them? And that was because there was a belief in his heart, a belief in God that calmed his heart like nothing else can. When we choose to believe God and his word, it will calm your heart in the midst of the most violent storm. You can have a calm heart resting upon belief in God. David mentioned about the troublesome in which in times we see 
In Psalms chapter 20, he writes this song in verse number 7. Some trust in chariots. Some trust in horses. You see, some trust in what they can see, in what they can experience. Oh, how much of a time this would have been in an agricultural society in which David lived. Your stability seemed to be anchored upon that in which you had. The strength of might in which you had. Whether you could defend yourself against others because of the horses in your army, because of the chariots and the battlements and the weapons in which you could display. David said some trust in those things, some trust in what they could see, what they could feel, the strength of their might. He said, but there's something that has anchored my heart, something that has anchored my soul, for I have seen one who can take even the strongest army and make them all for naught. And that is that one and whom I will remember. Notice what David says, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. Things might look grim in our life today. Things might look unsettled in our situation today, but there is one whom we can trust, one that will calm our heart, and that is the Lord God. He is the one that handles every situation. He is the one in whom we could run to. He is the one who can calm the storms externally and internally he can calm the quietness of our heart he can calm the unrest in our soul he can calm those things in which upset and make us move in distress he can calm those things if we have a time in which we choose to state upon god i believe you i believe in his word i believe As my boys have grown up, they are when they were young, even Samuel's age and younger, there were times where they would get hurt. We would let them play. I like boys being boys. I like them climbing trees and going and doing things in which um, um, a girl might sit back and say, no, I shouldn't be doing that, unless it was my wife. She was a, she was a tomboy growing up, and she'd be right there in with everybody. She had three brothers, and so whatever they did, she, she tried to do as well. But I like my boys to be boys and to enjoy some circumstances in which, should you do? No, but after you scrape that knee, you learn, okay, I'm not going to do that quite like that again, amen? There's nothing wrong with that. However, there'll be times where as they would fall cut themselves or scrape a knee or an elbow. They would come and tears in their eyes, pain, of course, expressed. And they would come to myself or my wife and they would look for solace. I, we couldn't heal them, but we could clean up their wound. We could take the plaster put it upon their cut. Take the bandage and put it over the scraped knee. We could try to solace, but when they got hurt, they knew who to go to. They knew they could go to mommy. They knew they could come to dad. They knew they could come for help and a calmness. 
that everything's going to be okay if they could just get to us. That's how we should be as children of God. He's our Father. Paul, in a situation in which his heart was hurt, he said, I know whom I have believed. I believe God. And I'm his. And everything's going to be okay because I am a child of God. What assurance that is. How much of a quietness that brings to our heart. Thank God that we can run to him and he can calm the storm of our heart. But notice, as Paul's heart was calmed in this storm by his belief in God, a belief in his word, notice what it does, for it quiets other souls. Two weeks, this vessel was tossed about in a storm. Two weeks, they knew not what they were, where, where they were going. The water started to get shallow. They were approaching some shore or some troubled waters. There are areas between Malta and Egypt and northern Africa there, that there are areas of the Mediterranean that are so shallow that ships would get destroyed crossing into those reefs and into those areas. They didn't know where they were, but they knew that the water was getting shallower. They were fearing that they were being forced or being driven into an area of the Mediterranean Sea that would completely destroy them without hope. They cast out anchors knowing that the water was getting shallower. And in the middle of the night, they began to wish for the day, the Bible says. And upon this time, on the 14th day, notice what the Bible says in verse number 33. And while the day was coming on, Paul besought them all to take meat, saying, This day is the 14th day that ye have tarried and continued fasting. Having taken nothing, wherefore I pray you to take some meat, for this is for your health. For there shall not an hair fall from the head of any of you. And when he had thus spoken, he took bread and gave thanks to God in the presence of them all. And when he had broken it, he began to eat. Notice what happens. Then were they all of good cheer then were they all good cheer. How could Paul encourage 276 people? How could Paul lead people to a moment in which they are happy and joyous in the midst of a storm? His belief in God calmed his heart. And because it calmed his heart, it could quiet the souls of others around him. So often, throughout the Word of God, we see God and His Word and His instruction. But as God comes and gives instruction, gives guidance, gives 
uh, gives hope through his word, he begins with a quietness of heart's message. How does he do so? Notice what the Bible says in verse number 23 of our text. For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve. Paul's on a ship. He knows, that, he knows who's on that ship. And suddenly there's a man standing next to him, an angel of God. Just appears. <laughs> he disappears just as quickly. But notice what this angel greets him with. Fear not. Fear not. What does Paul, what is the message that begins to open the heart of Paul as this man is suddenly standing beside him, speaking to him? Fear not. It's okay, Paul. Fear not. Don't be afraid. Over and over and over again, we see this very message, fear not, throughout the word of God. Many, many times. The Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 15, in verse number 1, as God approaches Abraham, after these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision saying, fear not, Abram. What was the message to Abraham? Fear not. It's okay. What does God begin to do as he relays his word? He says, everything's going to be all right. Don't fear. Hagar, Abram's uh, 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 wife's servant, whom he's taken as one of his own, is cast and is wondering and fearing for her own life. And the Bible tells her God comes to her as she fears and wonders what's going to happen out in the desert or out as an outcast. The Bible says in Genesis 21, 17, and God heard the voice of the lad. And the angel of God called to Hagar out of heaven and said unto her, What aileth thee, Hagar? Fear not. Fear not. For God hath heard the voice of the lad where he is. What does God's word begin to do? It begins to calm the quietness of our heart. It helps us to understand we don't have to be afraid. Moses, as he went to Israel, spoke in Exodus chapter 20 and verse number 20, and Moses said unto the people, fear not. Joshua, as he came and spoke uh, or was about to lead the children of Israel to go up against Ai, the Bible tells us the Lord in Joshua 8.1 says, said unto Joshua, fear not, neither be thou dismayed. As Mary, the mother of Jesus Christ, was being told about what was going to happen and that God the Son was going to be put into her womb, the angel of the Lord in Luke one thirty said, fear not not Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. The shepherds, as that wonderful, glorious night in which Jesus Christ was born, the angels said in Luke 2.10, and the angels said unto those shepherds, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy which shall be to all people. 
when Jesus Christ was at the uh, uh, was risen from the tomb and the angels uh, or, or the angel approached the women at the tomb wondering what was taken or what was happened to the body of Christ the bible says in Matthew 28:5 and the angel answered and said unto the women fear not for i know that ye seek Jesus which was crucified he was not there he had risen to John, as John was looking at things to come in the book of Revelation, in Revelation chapter 1, verse number 17, the Bible says, And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. And he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not. And I love this message. I am the first and the last. Over and over and over again, we see God's word coming. And those are just a few. We could look at many, many more in which God says, fear not. His word not only come, quiets our heart, but it quiets the hearts of those around us. It helps us to understand that there is one who is in control. Jesus Christ told John, I'm the first. I'm the one who all this began with, and I am the last. I am the one in which all this is going to end with. All things are under God's control and truly if we are to encourage others we must have and we must retain and we must navigate upon that belief in God and allow that belief in God to quiet the hearts of those around us Paul not only saw his belief in God calm his heart and quiet the souls of others around but it prompted new hope in Acts, uh, Acts chapter 27, look at what our text says in verse number 35 once again. And when he had thus spoken, he took bread and gave thanks to God in the presence of them all. And when he had broken it, he began to eat. And then were they all of good cheer. And they also took some meat. The storm is still raging. The clouds are still covering the sky. Yet Paul said, let's eat. The dawn is coming. The night is here, but the daylight is coming. There's hope. We don't know what lies ahead, but there is hope because of what God has said. The shore is getting near, and Paul knew that God was going to keep everyone safe. Everyone was going to live, and he persuades them to eat. He persuades them to see that there was hope because God was going to prepare them for a swim that, uh, for a swim that day, to grab onto the boards and to be washed ashore that day if they could not swim. And God was preparing them them through Paul and he was giving them hope that we can now eat everything is going to be all right you're going to need some energy though because you're going to have a swim ahead of you there was a belief in God's and Paul's heart that led him to others seeing that there is hope that God was going to be true to his word that everyone was going to be okay a belief in God promotes and prompts hope into our life it truly inspires and moves us to hope. A belief of knowing that everything is going to be okay gives us hope of what lies ahead. But then lastly, it gives us confidence that advances. Look at verse number 38 with me. When they'd eaten enough, they lightened the ship and cast out the wheat into the sea. And when it was day, they knew not the land, but they discovered a certain creek with a shore, 
into the which they were minded, if it were possible, to thrust in the ship. Okay, now let's do just a little bit of thinking here for just a moment. These sailors have battled this storm for 14 days. They're tired. And yet, they're of good cheer because of the meal that they've just partaken of. They have some strength. And as daylight comes, they see something that's unfamiliar to them. However, they see an inlet. They see a possibility of running the ship aground. Paul's told them that the ship is going to be lost, but that everyone's going to be okay. This was a dangerous thing. This ship was heavy. And so they lightened the ship, knowing that God was going to keep them safe. They lightened the ship by getting rid of all their cargo, tossing it into the sea. They began a plan, a dangerous plan, to go into the creek in the island that they see in front of them, this inlet, to run the ship aground. It's a dangerous plan, but they knew everyone was going to be safe. It gave them confidence to do what they were about to do. Notice what the Bible says. And when they had taken up the anchors, they committed themselves unto the sea and loosed the rudder bands, hoisted up the mainsail to the wind, made toward shore, and falling into a place where two seas met, they ran the ship aground. And the forepart stuck fast and remained unmovable. But the hinder part was broken with the violence of the waves. And the soldiers' counsel was to kill the prisoners, lest any of them should swim out and escape. But notice this. But the centurion, the Roman guard who is taking him to prison, knowing that he's been accused of some crimes, willing to save Paul, kept them from their purpose commanded that they which could swim should cast themselves first into the sea and get to land. There was some confidence inspired by the crew to even attempt this plan, but there was also a confidence in the centurion that God is going to keep his word. Paul has been true. His testimony has been uh, validated by not only his words, but his manner of life and the centurion said we can believe god and we can advance with confidence why because i know and i can take these steps because god is going to be true to the word in which he has given to paul it gave confidence not only to paul to begin to spread that good cheer and to encourage the hearts of those around him but also it inspired the hearts of those that they could have confidence in what god's word had said through paul what an incredible thing it is that this crew and that the centurion would act according to the word of god they the bible doesn't say whether or not they ever believed in god as far as became a son or a child of god became a born again believer the bible doesn't give us instruction whether or not they were or whether they became but there is one certain thing is they acted upon the word that god had spoken through paul what an incredible thing it is that a 
crew that these unsaved people would act according to the word of God because of the belief that Paul had in his heart and life. They could trust what God had given instruction for. And through this, it compelled assurance. Verse number 44, quickly here this morning, and I'm just state this and we'll close this morning. Notice what the Bible says in the rest, some on boards and some on broken pieces of the ship. And so it came to pass that they all, or that they escaped all safe to land. It happened just like God said it would. The ship was lost, but God saved every life. Every life made it safe to land. They landed on the uh, the island of Melita. We now call it Malta. They would be welcomed on that island. The Bible teaches us that as Paul continued living and giving a testimony of a trust and belief in God, that a snake would bite Paul's hand. He would shake that snake off into the fire before him. The people of that island thought certainly because he was in chains, because he was watched by this centurion, that he was a criminal of some sort, that God was getting uh, uh, justice upon Paul. However, when Paul felt no harm and when he would not die because of this snake bite, the Bible tells us that they changed their minds about the testimony of Paul. God would use, I believe this, as an open opportunity to meet a man who was in charge of that area, of that island, named Publius. Publius would be introduced or would introduce Paul to his father who was ill. Paul then would see God do a miracle and that man would gloriously be healed. And the people then would begin to bestow honors and even things that were necessary for their journey ahead, this cruise journey ahead, as they would begin their travels three months later. Incredible story. Powerful story. But through every step of God, of, of Paul's belief in God and his word that they would get to Rome, God used it to build assurance not only in his heart, but in the heart of those who were around him that God is true, that his word is real, and that you can with assurance trust in what God had said. Paul knew God would come through. Paul knew that God would see them through every way. The evidence was and is overwhelming. All this came because one man stated, I believe God. Chose to believe the Lord. It is a powerful statement to state, I believe. Calms our hearts. 
quiets those hearts around us. It moves us and inspires. It helps us to see the sweet, calm assurance of faithfully trusting God. I don't know what sort of situation you're finding yourself in in life right now. I don't know the storm that's raging around your life. Maybe it's quite calm. Praise God for that. But maybe there is a storm. Maybe it is dark. Maybe you feel like one of those sailors on the ship of the sea right now, wondering what's going to happen next. May I encourage you to do what Paul did? He heard the word of God and he chose to believe God. May I encourage you to believe your God this morning. His word is true. He knows the future. The future is in his hands. He knows what's going to take place tomorrow. We can trust him. I can't trust my finances. They could change overnight. I can't trust my home situation. That can change overnight. But I can trust the one who has eternity in his hands. I can trust the one who said, peace, be still. Would you allow the word of God this morning to completely and wondrously change your heart and life? It does so through a deep-rooted belief in God. Believe his word. It never changes.